Hello and welcome to episode 16 of series 2 of the Engaging Internal Comms podcast. This is the show for employee engagers and internal communicators who like to keep up to date with all that is new in our profession. My name's Craig Smith from The Big Picture People. If this is the first time you've listened to the Engaging Internal Comms podcast, you're more than welcome. We have plenty of other episodes on our website, engagingic.com, and you can also find those on the podcast platform that you're listening to this podcast on now. Um, So we're now back into our regular fortnightly interview shows. uh, Over the last few weeks, I've been doing uh, some shorter episodes between our interview shows where we've shared some resources with you. But we're back into our normal rhythm now, fortnightly shows with the interviews going out on each of those. Um, Next week or next in next in two weeks time, I should say, not next week, two weeks time, we have an interview coming up with Matthew McLean, who is from the podcast host. And this is the first of a couple of podcast recordings that I'm going to be doing or interviews that I'm going to be doing where we're going to be looking at podcasting as a channel that you can use within your own organization or or audio anyway as a a channel uh, that you can use. I think we're all kind of very familiar with using video uh, and other digital platforms, but podcasting and audio is something that sometimes something gets overlooked. And if you're listening to this, I guess you're, uh, you're someone who likes listening to audio, you like consuming information via audio. So we're going to be looking at what some of the things that you can look look to do within your organization uh, to use audio more effectively. So that's going to be episode 17 of this series, which is coming out on the 25th of May. And then the following week, I've got Paula Leach from Vantage Points, who's going to be giving us some ideas about how we can lead employee engagement within our organisations. Paula's just released a, a very interesting book with some very interesting ideas on it. And I think for internal communicators and employee engagement, it's always useful to know how we can coach and encourage our leaders within our organisations to be more effective when it comes to engaging our employees. So that's the next couple of interviews that we've got coming up on episodes 17 and 18. Um, As I said, if this is the first time you've listened to the show, there we are for plenty of other episodes. As you can tell, this is series two, episode episode 16. So as you can work it out for yourself, we've got 30 episodes in uh, the previous series, series one. Um, And as I say, you can find those on your podcast platform or on our website, engagingic.com. If you find today's interview uh, show useful, then please share it with someone else in your network, anyone else who you think might benefit from it. Um, we're looking to grow our audience and looking to build our followership and and what that allows us to do then is to attract more and more uh, great interviewees that we can bring to, uh, to, to, to you to, to be able to listen to. If you've got any suggestions as well, if you've got any potential interviewees who you'd like to suggest, if you'd like to even nominate yourself, then get in touch with us via our contact form at engagingic.com. If you scroll down to the bottom, you'll see there's a, a form there that you can send and you can send us your details and we'll get in touch with you. Failing that, if you just want to get in touch with us via email, you can drop us an email at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk. Anyway, let's move on to this episode's interview. At the back end of last year, I was interviewed for the Institute of Internal Communications magazine in an article where they were looking about ways to communicate with what we what were classed as offline employees. And by offline employees, what we're talking about are employees who do not typically have access to the, 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 the very popular ways of communicating that we have within organizations now, whether that's email, whether that's Yammer, whether that's Microsoft Teams. They're typically people who either have 
uh, no access to digital equipment or they work in an environment where they can't use digital equipment and and therefore it, it prohibits them from being able to uh, consume information through those channels. So I wanted to sort of explore that uh, whole area of offline employees with someone who's working in an organization or has worked in organizations where that has been particularly uh, an issue. And what we wanted to do, first of all, was explore what is our definition of offline employees. I've given you a few parameters there uh, as part of the introduction. Then start to look at well, what, some, what are some of the channels that we, we may use or need to use when it comes to communicating with those employees that are maybe something channels that we might see as as uh, as old school or, or maybe uh, you know not not necessarily particularly glamorous uh, but but very effective for communicating with them and then finally i wanted to kind of look at what what other supporting elements do we need to be thinking of in our organizations in order to make sure that we are not isolating or alienating our offline employees and keeping them as informed as our online employees when it comes to knowing what's going on within the organization and the role that they play in helping us deliver our objectives. And so that's what today's interview is all about. Okay, so my interviewee today is Owen Weldon. Owen is the Internal Communications Manager and Communications Business Partner for UK and Ireland at Merck Group. Prior to working for Merck, uh, Owen has 10 years of in-house and agency experience where he has well held internal communications roles for both Tesco and Vodafone. <laughs> so hi, Owen, how are you? Hi, Craig. How are you? I'm good. Very good. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Thank you. And uh, and I know where you are, but just for the for the listeners' benefit, where where are you based at the moment, Owen? I'm I'm based in Cork, Ireland. Um, so Merck would have a pretty big operation at the Cork site. Uh, you know, big membrane manufacturing operation. So I'm based loosely out of there. But like many people, I've been based at home for the majority of the last twelve months. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and absolutely in Cork, lovely part of the world in 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 Ireland. There, so uh, very, 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 very just. I know it gets its fair fair share of uh, of weather coming in from the Atlantic, but uh, yeah, yeah, wonderful yeah. place. So Merck, I, I guess a lot of people will have heard of Merck, but do you want to just give us a little bit of a, a an insight as to what Merck does? I know it's a very diverse organisation, how big it is, and and uh, and you said mentioned a little bit about there about the operation in Cork. Just you know, tell share with us what you can. And that would be great. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'll keep it as brief as I can because um, there's many elements to the company, uh, as you've mentioned. So Merck is um, a leading science and technology company. And we operate across uh, healthcare, life science and performance materials. So the part of the business um, I work with is, is in life science. So we like to say in life science that we saw, solve the toughest problems in the industry by collaborating with the global scientific community. Mm. And our promise is to accelerate access to health for people everywhere. Um, and what we do is we solve problems at every stage uh, of the, you know, the process from discovery and development to processing, manufacturing uh, and diagnostics. And we help customers deliver the promise of their work uh, better, faster and safer. Uh, we have the expertise to understand the challenges of our customers. So essentially, we'd be a key supplier uh, for a lot of the pharmaceutical companies globally. Uh, we have partnerships and collaborations with most of, if not every pharmaceutical company uh, globally. Fantastic. And how many people, how many employees have you got at Merck? I mean, both in Cork and also globally. So at a global level across all three businesses, there's 56,000 employees. Wow. Uh, from a life science point of view, globally, we have 22,000. Um, and, and for example, at a Cork site, we'd be about 800 people at the moment. 
Okay. Huge, really huge global business. So yeah, fantastic. So we met on LinkedIn and um, we, you know, we were chatting about some of the things you'd been working on. And I think one of the things that, that was really interesting for me in an area I've wanted to cover for a while is this idea of how do we communicate with offline workers? And by that, we mean people who are off the, off the grid in terms of emails and having company devices and phones and that sort of thing. So they're, they're kind of difficult to get to in terms of, you know, if we have platforms like Yammer and, and Workplace and, and Microsoft Teams. So, um, and, and I guess, you know, these are the people who would typically rely on our, our more traditional channels with. So, and I know we, I know we're, we're talking more generally around your, your entire career, not, not, not just your experience at Merck. So I'm mean, really interested to know from your experience, because I know the companies you've worked for, that's been a kind of recurring theme. What, what, what are some of the challenges that you've encountered when it comes to communicating with offline workers. And then we'll maybe go on to later on in the interview, talk about how, how you've kind of dealt with some of those, but what are some of the challenges that that brings Owen? Yeah, yeah, sure. You know, you've kind of mentioned it, um, you know, typically it is the fact that these are non-desk employees. So like, unlike me and you, they're not sitting in front of a a laptop all day. So Mm -hmm. getting the messages and getting the right messages to them is more of a challenge because, um, you know, a lot of companies globally will rely on newsletters, intranets, uh, and social enterprise tools to communicate with their employees. Whereas if you have a non-desk population, and it can vary from sector to sector. So, for example, when I worked with uh, Tesco, you know, fast-moving consumer goods, you know, you'd have frontline employees who are working, you know, stacking shelves uh, and the supermarket tills. So I suppose it's a little bit easier to use maybe a social enterprise tool like Yammer with them because, you know, <laughs> Basically, they can have their phone with them and they can download the, the various app. Whereas from manufacturing side of things, um, you know, you're not even allowed to bring uh, a mobile phone or any kind of uh, personal devices into clean room areas or, you know, where you're conducting, um, you know, conducting experiments or yes. you know, processing, you know, highly flammable goods. So that presents a challenge in itself. But I think, you know, firstly, it's about identifying who, who your employees are and the profile of them and how best to get that message to them. Um, and every sector is different. And even within a business, say, for example, the Cork site, you know, we have 800 employees, about 70% of those would be non-desk. Even within that, there's different profiles of people. You have people in labs, for example, mm. um, who are testing all day. And then people, as you say, who are working on the manufacturing floor who, you know, typically would work 12-hour shifts uh, and, you know, have deadlines to meet and, and high customer order. So, you know, yeah. working in a very highly pressurized environment. So, you know, you do have to think long and hard about how you get that message to them because I suppose their everyday work is dictated by meeting those targets and, you know, supplying our customers, key customers globally. So that has to be taken into consideration also, you know. I think that's a really interesting point, isn't it? When you when you think about how what dis, what determines how do you how do you distinguish an offline worker? I think you've raised some really good points there. So one is you know just the work itself is incompatible with you know I, I, like you say if you're sat at a desk all day and it's you know it's an administrative role then that's you know you are kind of using the medium that we are trying to communicate with you through. But if you're a, you know working a machine or or a production line or you you know you're driving a forklift truck or whatever it is, it's totally incompatible for you to be able to do that. So that's one element. The other is, 
I, and I hadn't thought about that, but you're absolutely spot on because I've worked in food industry myself. And when anything with glass or anything that's got a shatterable screen would be, you know, is barred, you're not allowed to take it into the, and then obviously you, you gave some other reasons there, you know, explosive risk, that sort of thing. So that, that's the sort of environment. And then I guess the other thing is there's, we've, we've kind of alluded to, or maybe not talked about directly is, is, is there sometimes there's a demographic challenge, isn't there? Where mm. the, 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 you know, and again, I don't want to kind of put people into, you know, stereotypes, but sometimes, you know, there are environments where people are just less tech savvy. It's just, you know, either age or just, just sort of social conditions that mean that, that actually that's not a, a kind of a medium that they would naturally be comfortable with. Whereas, you know, maybe other people would be. So I think, it's quite interesting to I think to sort of distinguish what is it that, that, that creates that situation where we've got someone who we would class as offline or off the grid as it were any are there any other thought any other sort of things that might make someone offline worker because I think it's quite a it's useful to sort of think you know who are my offline workers if, if I'm a in, a in a different sort of uh, industry as well perhaps yeah you know what I've always would have said is you know we need to speak to them on their terms so it's so yeah. understanding how they, uh, I suppose, consume their information. Um, mm. As you mentioned, a lot of people, it's through their phones, it's through apps, etc. But you know, there might be constraints in terms of, um, you know, when people can can sit down and, and go through their phone. So you know, for mm. example, if someone is in a manufacturing, you know, at a machine or whatever, they take their break time, you know, catching up on the news of the day rather than the company news. So yeah, are there other ways you can get that message across? And you know, one thing I've been an advocate of is you know i call it back to the future so it's using the tried and tested uh, methods of communication through your notice boards um and through you know simple things like having snap fans in the toilets over mm. hand dryers at the back of toilet doors you know they would have traditionally been used down through the years and, and may have been phased out but they're still an effective way of getting that message across now obviously you have to be succinct and you have to be um you know, you can't go into too much detail, but getting high level messaging across, I still think that is effective. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then the second part uh, is also is empowering your line manager and your supervisors to cascade messaging to, you know, to get those key strategic messages or, or company updates across because everybody nowadays is flooded with information um, and you have to be tactical uh, and strategic also in terms of what information you want to filter down to your employees um, yeah. because what you don't want to do is overload them every day with um, strategic messaging so you know you have to be precise of what you're doing and you have to be brief um, that would be the main thing from my perspective yeah yeah well let, let's just rewind because i think that's really that's good good kind of heads up of what we can maybe maybe good to kind of yeah. cover off in the rest so, so i think the first thing is yeah i mean i i mean my my kind of in in-house corporate days go uh, go go back a quite a while now but but you know it's a long time since i've been in that environment but i mean these are kind of pre-smartphone pre-social media days but i guess working in a food factory i said i kind of saw the best and the worst of what you call probably there the back to the future type media so i remember you know um <coughs> excuse me um audits of notice boards that we did that we would spent a fortune actually putting notice boards all, all over the factory in in kind of places that we thought well people couldn't possibly ignore that you know it's on the it's on the corridor where they walk from the factory to the for the to the to the food area you know that that's the prime real estate for putting the notice boards up and i remember doing an audit there where we kind of stood there and watched and i think three people in an hour stopped to look at the notice boards and then the sort of penny dropped for us which is hang on if you're going from the factory to the canteen 
you want to go to the canteen and get your food and on your way back you're probably going to leave it as late as possible so you can clock on at the last possible minute uh so so you know you want to make the most of your break time you're not going to use your break time to stop in the corridor and look at a notice board so it's like you know do but i mean <laughs> but i i guess so things like that and and plasma screens and you talked about a few things there that i've always i've always you know kind of worried wondered whether is this is it just me or is it actually the back of toilet doors and above hair dryers, you know, hand dryers and on the canteen table, the little kind of menu holders that we used to use that are always the ones that people would, we knew people would read it because they would always say, yeah, that's where I kind of find out what you, you want to hear you, you know, you want to tell us. So what you mentioned there, some of the back to the future stuff. I mean, is it, is it like that? Or have you found any more kind of, you know, media, any other forms of media that are kind of, um, better suited or, or maybe more modern than, than, than those things I just rattled off there. No, you raise a fair point because um, you need to cap, you need to capture people and capture people's attention. Um, you know, where they're, I suppose at a break time or uh, especially in manufacturing operations. So that is, you know, at the hand dryer that is uh, at the canteen table with the menu holders. So I, I think that's one element of it. It can't be the only element you have to supplement it with different channels. So, for example, you know, we don't know what each individual employee uses to, you know, to, I suppose, to consume information. So if they want to read it at the canteen, um, let's have an option for them there. If they prefer using the plasma screens or if they get information from that, let's have an option there. If they prefer to use the social enterprise tool like a Yammer or like the company app or the internet, let's have information there. So I think it's it's using all the different channels and making mm. sure that no matter what channel they use it, we have up-to-date information. They're getting, as I always say, the right information to the right person at the right time. Mm. So there's no it, one solution, I suppose. Um, yeah. Knowing your business, it's knowing your industry, and it's you know the old adage that you'd have is, is know your audience um, and you know how are they getting their information and, and it's building your plans around that then. But you know I wouldn't just solely concentrate on a digital side of things. You know I would try and have a balance there, especially if you have a non-desk population between your traditional forms of communication through your newsletters, your off, you know, your your physical newsletters, that's the case, your canteens and your notice boards versus, you know, the intranet versus the email, uh, online yeah. newsletter, et cetera. Yeah. Have you, I've, I mean, I, I know the other thing, another element of that, which you've, you've kind of alluded to there is also the, 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 the it, how com- compelling is it? I, I've, I remember we, we, and I don't, I'm interested to know, you know, from your experience, whether we, we had a very traditional, uh, almost like a newspaper it had, you know we had a, 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 a journalist who would come along and she would take stories from around the site and you know she would put that together and then the, the, you know this really nice newspaper would come but it was always kind of you know two or three months old news and it was it was very difficult to get it to be contemporary but also there was always a challenge around you know that isn't just the, that isn't the sort of stuff they would want to read it's just not interesting it, it, you know it's not something they're going to go out of their way to kind of read and, and again if they're limited for time and we always used to find you know that mixing mixing sort of you know uh, what i not want to call it factory factory gossip but you know information about people and individuals and their personal stuff with with corporate stuff was a good way of doing it because it kind of it, it, it rather than it was just a wall of corporate information which people just tended to either at best skim and probably at worst just flip past and not even look at uh, i mean what in, from a content perspective and tone have you have you found that's that's important as well yeah, absolutely. And I use an example of when I was with Tesco um, and that we had a, a physical newsletter that we created once a month. 
Um, and you know, make a key point. It was blending the you know corporate information, corporate updates with those human interest stories. So, for example, highlighting colleagues who are doing charity work. So, he had one big charity partner with Tesco, for example. So, mm. uh, all our fundraising throughout the year would be geared towards that. So, and each uh, each supermarket and each region had you know responsibility for how they would fundraise. So, come up with new ideas, novel ideas. So that always got great feedback. We always got a huge amount of people wanting to submit pictures and, and updates and stories about, you know, how they were fundraising. And also, you know, the <laughs> I always call them the big winners, like weddings, birthdays, babies, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you have to give people a reason to open them, you know, open the newsletter. So for those updates, which aren't as time sensitive, maybe as well. So yeah, let's see what the other site was doing in terms of their fundraising. Oh, you know, for Pancake Tuesday, for example, yeah. and they raise X amount of money for charity. So, and it gives colleagues ideas in terms of how they can fundraise and how they can get their community behind them. Um, yeah. And then you blend that in then with, you know, your corporate updates or, you know, performance, financials, that kind of stuff. So, it, yeah. as I said, a key point is give people a reason to open it. And it may seem, it may seem basic, but people do want to open and read about what other colleagues are doing or, you know, colleagues yeah. who had weddings or, or major milestones. So, true, true. As I said, that it's traditional form of communication was really successful. And, you know, so, some people might come in and try to say, we, sh- we need to go digital, but, those traditional forms have really worked and you know simple things like placing them in the canteens and people can flick through it during their lunch break and that gets you know that gets you know conversations going at the cooler or whatever um and you know helps with engagement as well so you know again i, I would never discount using your traditional forms no. again just just knowing who your audience is and knowing who your employees are definitely i remember my first boss when i uh when i first managed people for the first time you know i would i'd done my team brief training i'd been on the the one day course on how to give a great team brief and uh i remember him saying to me he said no matter what they've told you on that course just remember the core is bore be vocal with the local and uh and it's true you know and i thought that was quite a nice way of remembering yeah. you know you know how to how to get the messages across and 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 uh you know intertwining them so um I mean, just just from my perspective, mm-hmm. I, I guess what we're talking about here are a combination of like kind of co- corporate sort of you know strategic messages or, or kind of short term messages. I mean, from your experience, and I and I always remember this was the, you know, as someone who I, at the time I was working in learning and development and comms and 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 the you know we had a really good relationship. It was a very close. We we worked very closely with the operations guys. It wasn't you know that you know we were seen as the sort of. You, you, the, <laughs> That you know the support team who kind of don't have a proper job and we're the guys who we make everything it was we, we were very integrated but i always remember the kind of age-old discussions about when is it appropriate to take people off the line i is it when is it appropriate to like turn yeah. the machines off and actually put them somewhere and i mean what are your experiences of those sort of i'm calling it you know take them off the line type situations mm-hmm. where you do need to actually get them to kind of concentrate and focus on something without the you know trying to just shoehorn it into their working day i mean what what have you found works there? Um, I think, you know, first of all, you can't be doing it every week um, because, yeah. you know, depending on the industry, shutting down machines can cost you, you know, up to a couple of hours of productivity. So, you know, you have supervisors there uh, and you have, you know, deadlines to meet. So, you know, you have to, you have to I suppose, get their buy-in beforehand before you're asking them to. So, for example, where we are at work, it's, it's a quarterly town hall example where uh, for that one hour, uh, once every quarter, we ask uh, that employees who are on site, uh, you know, pre-COVID, to come to the canteen area where we yeah. uh, have our, 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 our town hall. 
also with the challenge that you have a certain amount of employees who are offsite or, you know, working on processes that can shut down that, you know, it was recorded. And then there was an ask of our supervisors and managers to make sure that in the intervening seven days or by the time everyone is back on their shift that they, again, have a time allotted to sit down and, you know, keep it to an hour so it's not going over overboard and to give employees a chance to sit down and to to listen and to see what was what was posted at the town hall again making sure content from the town hall is a blend between business updates company performance with you know it's human interest stories uh, and, and for example mark you know we have a lot of examples because you know we make a difference in people's lives and you know we're helping to mm. to prolong lives and save lives so you know we use examples of how the products we make at our site uh, contribute uh, to this you know safety of people and you know the betterment of their lives so using examples and we work hard at finding those examples of you know what we're producing here how it affects the end user or the, or the patient. So, uh, you know, the feedback we get from employees is they really like hearing those stories. So mm-hmm. they're more engaged and they're more proud of they're working with a company that's making a difference. And sometimes that can get lost because we work in a complicated business in diagnostics. We work in fil- filtration devices uh, and chromatography media, which in itself might be hard for employees to distinguish how it makes a difference. So it's, it's joining mm-hmm. those dots for them and letting them know that, you know, what you do every day is making a difference. So mm. using the town hall to tell those stories, uh, firstly, and then secondly, making sure that each employee uh, has time allotted that they can sit down and they can uh, watch the town hall. So it's not a huge ask once a quarter, you know, four hours uh, for a year. Uh, yeah. from, you know, where we all get together uh, as a business to, you know, to share, you know, these stories and to share updates. Um, and I think that helps with the buy-in then from from your managers and from your your team leads, etc. So yeah, that would yeah. be the example they have where I am at the moment, and it, it is quite yeah. a quite successful model. Yeah, it's it's yeah it's 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 I think it, you know for people who've not worked in those sorts of environments, it's like it's incredibly it's incredibly challenging how compressed that time is, isn't it, and how valuable yeah. it is, and and how you don't want to squander it because it's mm-hmm. it's so precious, and and you know when you do you and you you're absolutely right, you know the turning off a line that 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 you know it, it needs to be it takes time to start it up again, it takes time mm-hmm. you know while it's not working, and even if you bring in temporary labor, that's not a costless exercise, you know, from terms of it's got to be carefully managed so yeah it's it's really it is a real challenge and it takes me back to when we used to have to do that so it, uh, i can come, mm-hmm. I can completely see where you're coming from you just mentioned there i think the bit that i really wanted to sort of you know just just sort of finally finish off with you on this which was when we had a and i had an interview back in episode 22 of the of last series uh with an interview with chris coburn and he was working at xc and he was talking about this idea and very much around you know his his philosophy which which i completely agree with which is you know pivotal to all of this um outside of you know the kind of the town halls and the kind of data is the line manager the line manager is absolutely vital as a conduit through which we can kind of cascade you know whether it's through huddles or just being out on the line and walking the floor or you know i'm talking you know metaphorically about the line it, 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 it equally applies to all of these different environments we talked about at the beginning i mean what are, what are some of your thoughts and experiences of you know it do you agree that is a pivotal role but also what are some of the challenges that brings when we're relying on people who may be very technically good but not naturally mm-hmm. good communicators and also may not see it as a priority as well i mean what are your what are your thoughts on that owen yeah, I agree completely. You know, your line managers and your supervisors are pivotal. Um, 
and you see with a lot of organizations, uh, you know, you speak about the frozen middle, so uh, high level strategic messaging that's, you know, that's sent from, like, from a global level or uh, regional level, that sometimes there's an expectation that will go down through the lines, to the various lines of uh, reporting lines down to the, you know, down to the guys on the shop floor, on the factory floor. But a lot of times, you know, it's your supervisors, managers, maybe where those blockages occur. Uh, and sometimes there's an assumption that you mentioned it, you know, scientists and engineers, you know, I suppose wired differently to, to us communicators <laughs> that you can't always assume that they're equipped with the tools to be able to cascade messaging. You know, communication doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. So mm. I think, you know, once, once they assume role as a team leader or as a manager, that it's important that you provide training or an opportunity for them to upskill in that area. And um, because, you know, that role is vital is this it's it, and it plays a top up and a, you know, a top down and bottom up role also because those supervisors and managers are cascading messaging, but they're picking up what the reaction is uh, to, you know, whatever the update is and they can feed that back up too. So yeah. I think they're, they're a vital resource in, in getting that information in a simplified manner to the employees, but also getting that vital feedback about, you know, how programmer or, or an update, how it's, you know, hitting with employees because, you know, without that, you can sit in your office and assume that everyone understands what, you know, your new strategy, your new strategy is or whatever, but yeah. are they really? And that's where your, your line managers and your supervisors come into, come into their own. But I think it's backing them and equipping them with the tools they need to be able to perform that task. And, you know, as I said, you can't always assume that they're natural at it. So it's about investing, you know, some time in, in upskilling them in that area. And from my experience is that, you know, they're all, a lot of it, you know, managers and supervisors are really eager to, to upskill and to learn more in that area. Mm-hmm. It helps them yeah. in their daily roles also, not just cascading company strategic priorities, but also, uh, you know, getting message across to employees, you know, and it kind of feeds into the health or the, the HR side of it, you know, giving feedback, taking feedback, being construct, you know, being able to construct, you know, give constructive criticism, that mm-hmm. kind of, that all kind of feeds into being a better communicator. So definitely, um, as you said, you know, really vital role they play in, in any business. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think, you know, building on what you just said there, I think you're having, having, you know, value in, I think it starts from bringing them in or how you promote them, you know? So a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people in my experience tend to be promoted through, you know, maybe they were great machine operators or they were great, you know, kind of, uh, you know, sales assistant or whatever, and they get promoted into a role where they're managing other people who do that job. And I think it's a case of, um, are we promoting them purely because they were really good at that or because we can, we've spotted that they've got that kind of, you know, innate communications capability and then once they're in the role it's about you know it's about not just about training them and giving them the schools it's about it's about the conversations they have with their own line manager which yeah. talks about not just you need to be great at executing the day job stuff but you you know you need to be able to good at developing and talking to your people and your team in that bedside manner and mm. you know kind of the empathy because um i think it, it is a really tricky tightrope that the, the organizations tend to walk in that area yeah and, and you think you need to understand as well that you know, they have a day job and they have those targets to meet. So it's an awareness and understanding that that is their primary focus. But can we help them? Can we supplement their skills by giving them this training to be able to cascade messaging? Uh, and as you said, it helps them in their overall uh, work environment as well, you know, be it the relationship with their manager or with the people that report to them. But also, I think you need to be aware that, you know, they have a day job, they have targets, they're under pressure. But cognizant of that, here is ways we feel we can help you um, to be a better manager. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's actually making that you know making that that implicit connection clear between actually 
if they're better communicators and they're communicating better with their team, they're probably going to be less prone to quality problems, safety issues, productivity issues. You know, it's it's a kind of yin and yang. It's not like one or the other. It's it's actually complementary. And I think that sometimes is the, you know, we haven't got time for all this people stuff. We need yeah, to get stuff yeah. out of the door. Well, actually, you'll probably get more stuff out of the door if you do, do more of the people stuff more consistently. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think, you know, businesses in general are putting out more focus on learning and development side of things. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, helping all employees to upskill in any areas they, you know, if they feel they need. So, whether it's simple, you know, LinkedIn learning, for example, would be a huge kind mm-hmm. of we use in Mark in, in helping employees identify areas they'd like to upskill. And, and again, how do you facilitate that as a manager and how do you encourage employees? So maybe you see promise in someone who is displaying leadership skills. Is there any kind of courses we would suggest to them? And that's that all like, that's all part of the communications process, being a better communicator is, is understanding sure. your employees and, and what makes them tick and then helps with engagement then if you can you know suggest to them that you know here are some options you might like to explore um so again it, it's going to it's a holistic view of how you uh, empower managers uh, and your supervisors you know to, to get to know their employees and you know displaying that emotional intelligence and um, that helps with productivity that helps with engagement that helps with connection so you know in a lot of ways it's a win-win situation both yeah, for the employees yeah. their supervisors and for the business yeah yeah okay well that's that that's been brilliant i mean just to sum up that sum up then i think what we've talked about is first of all is you know what are our offline workers and i think we talked about the different criteria then and i don't think anybody's gonna be listening to this and going oh you know what i never realized those people were offline but i think sometimes there's a you know i think again it's easy to fall into the trap that everybody likes to be communicated to in the same ways and there are people who are just naturally more just not you know just immune to some of those typical kind of conduits and then that led into what we talked about which is you know valuing some of those channels that we may kind of see as kind of old school but it actually in that type of environment or in that type of situation we've had the, i've had this conversation before with previous interviewees where you know they they'd come to that same conclusion we had someone i i forget exactly which episode it is i'll put the link in the show notes and her company made uh, building products and they kind of you know had like kind of building warehouses where people would you know you drive your van in and you pick up your flagstones and that. and obviously again that that's a kind of group that would be quite difficult to you you know communicate with normally because of the type of the work and because you know just demographically they're just not used to using kind of technology so again that we came to that same conclusion that you know some of the old school techniques are actually relevant there and i think the final point there which is about the line managers which is you know in those sorts of situations you've got to invest in and in any situation but particularly in these situations you need to invest in your line managers mm-hmm. capability as a communicator anything else that you 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 want to add to the equation owen before we uh, before we wrap up because that's been quite a really nice sort of structured conversation yeah. thing and i think sometimes you know there might be an assumption that uh, all employees get access to a desktop uh, on a daily basis which is not mm-hmm. the case you know i know for example there might be one desktop or one laptop among a team of 20 or 30 so you know at max they might get access to it for 10 minutes a day so you know how can you use those 10 minutes to get the right message across so you know it's, it's knowing the audience as i said earlier knowing the employees mm-hmm. and knowing what access they have and how they like to uh, consume information yeah yeah fantastic well owen just to finish off the interview i'm going to ask you the question i ask all my interviewees and i know you you're prepared for this and you've kind <laughs> of got a you've got a kind of publicly shareable version of this story i'm i'm, I'm intrigued to know you know and work out what the non-publicly shareable example might be but no but it'd be wonderful if you could just share a, a little story with us about even people who work with you professionally you know or friends or family or professional acquaintances never knew about you or don't know about you it could be something you do now or something you've done in the past that uh, you've willing to share with with us owen yeah well you know in my younger you know 
teenage and, and college days, I was quite a soap fan. So I've actually appeared uh, as an extra on two soaps. Uh, one is Home and Away, ah. um, you know, Australian TV shows, which uh, people in the UK and Ireland would be familiar with. So I, I spent a year in Australia and I travelled out to where they filmed Home and Away in Palm Beach in, in Australia. Uh, and hung around for so long, they just decided to give me a part as an extra because they, I think they felt sorry for me. But they used to be amazed with the hordes of, of Irish and English people landing down to Palm Beach in, in Sydney uh, on a daily basis to get a glimpse of, of the superstar. So, okay. And and what was your other what was your other role that you had? It's an Irish uh, soap called Fair City, and again, right. it was a university in Dublin, and uh, a friend of mine. Um, you know, did voiceovers and she, she had said that they needed a couple of extras. So, uh, you know, I, I think got a 60 euro, 80 euro at the time for um, standing in the pub, of course, and walking past one of the actors. So, um, yeah, so th- those are my two claims to fame. I've appeared on, on two soaps. So, um, you know, <laughs> my, my, yeah, my, take a bit of pride in. yeah, my sister-in-law actually, ironically, my sister-in-law last weekend uh, was an extra in Peaky Blinders uh, where they were Whoa. filling it up. Up in, in Scotland, where she where she is. So I'm just, but I'm going back to yours. I'm intrigued. So, d- did you come up on the kind of credits at the end? No, 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 no. Unfortunately, you don't get that. You're just, you're just thrown in as a, as you know. I was walking past two people on the beach uh, in home. Right. Said, okay. I, I was going to say, I was going to say, like sort of pale, pale bloke in beachwear. <laughs> you know, on the on a, a, a Owen Weldon comes up at the end on the on the credits. So, <laughs> in, in, but I guess if you've been there a while, you'd probably you've probably got a decent. Yeah, oh, that's brilliant. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. That's great. I think it's definitely a first for the show. We, I, I, we've had had someone who'd been on, um, had been a, actually in a, a candidate on The Apprentice. So there's oh. always, and I've been on, oh. uh, I've been on The Weakest Link. So I'm always kind of keen on, you know, this kind of oh. semi showbiz, uh, connections <laughs> not yeah. really but yeah yeah well look that's absolutely brilliant owen i really appreciate the time and the conversation um what i'm going to do is i'm going to put a link into your linkedin profile in the show notes if that's all right if anybody wants to kind of yeah. reach out to you and maybe you know kind of talk to you about your experiences in this area or uh, and uh, or just connect with you anything else that uh, you, you want to share with us on that i can stick into the show notes or is, is linkedin uh, okay you know are you a serial rabid tweeter or are you uh is any other you can, mediums you can find that... me on twitter at owen weldon um okay you know, no no underscore no overscore no capitals at uh, that but yeah you can find me on linkedin okay okay and owen is spelled e-o-i-n if anyone's looking it, for yeah. you uh, yeah yeah fantastic well look that's been brilliant owen thank you very much it's wonderful to catch up with you and uh and i'm sure you know we'll we'll be talking offline at some point as well as again it's really 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 interesting i think we, we share a lot of uh similar values and principles about about you know this this area because it, it is something that i think organizations who do have these offline people really need to be thinking about but uh, i wish you all the best and, and stay safe and well and uh we'll catch up with you soon Thank you, Craig. It's been a pleasure. My pleasure. Take care. See ya. Ideally, everyone in your organization would be on the same page. They'd be facing in the same direction and towards its vision and goals. However, in today's fast-moving world, as we all know, it can be really hard to get employees to see the big picture. For example, what are we aiming for? How are we going to get there? And how does my role contribute? When your employees don't see the big picture, they can make the wrong decisions, they may feel less of a sense of belonging, and they may not fully contribute towards your organization's objectives. So how do you consistently put large numbers of people in the picture 
in a way that helps them understand what your organization is trying to achieve, but also do that in an engaging and effective way. At the Big Picture People, we combine visualization, discussion, and interaction to fully engage your employees in the organization's big picture. We create light bulb moments for your employees and we bring your values, your strategies, your objectives, and your change processes to life in a really rich, clear, and visual way. We also show your employees the complexity of the world that you're operating in and how their role contributes towards organizational priorities. So if you see the value of putting your people in the picture, head across to thebigpicturepeople.co.uk and book a free 30-minute consultation call via the link on our homepage. So thank you for listening to Engaging Internal Comms. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the show and any questions, ideas, or feedback that you'd have. Anything you'd like us to cover on future episodes too, please. So you can email us at info at thebigpicturepeople.co.uk or you can get in touch with us via the contact form at engagingic.com. You can also sign up to our mailing list there and we'll send you relevant news about the show and anything that we think you might be interested in when it comes to internal communications and employee engagement. If you like the show and you haven't already done so, please subscribe to it directly via your podcast service. Uh, And you can also subscribe via the links on our podcast page, which again is engagingic.com. If you like the show, we'd be really grateful if you could leave us a review um, and also if you could leave some verbal uh, feedback there as well, not just stars. That's always nice to know that we've been appreciated and particularly how we've helped you. If you know anyone else who might like the show or might benefit from it, please tell them, please share it with them. Please share the link to our website, engagingic.com. And uh, that will be great because we want to grow our community. We want to get as many people involved in the show as possible. Um, And we, uh, yeah, the, the bigger, the better. Okay, thank you. Thank you.